Kimberly Rice, and you are tuned into the Secret Sauce Marketing Tasting Show, the groundbreaking podcast for business bosses, professional women, and anyone who is hungry to learn how to create the career, business, and life of their dreams by charting their own course. Um, Good morning, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us for another episode of KLA Marketing's Secret Sauce Marketing Tastings, an episodic podcast in which we are so delighted to speak with industry experts across the land um, here and abroad um, to talk about meaningful topics uh, that have an actionable impact on your ability to grow your business and to create the career of your dreams. So this morning, I could not be more excited to welcome our guest, Chris Raymond um, from NTAP, um, who hails from upstate New York um, um, and will be coming down into the city. Well, we just learned that we'll see each other tomorrow. So welcome this morning, Chris, to our podcast. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Really excited and thank you for the, uh, the opportunity to be here. I'm, uh, I'm honored now to be part of the Secret Sauce alumni. Yes, yes. Well, we uh, I will repeat for our listeners at the end, as I always do, what the Secret Sauce is and why it is so imperative in the uh, business building um, mantra, as we say. But well, I want to jump right in, Chris, and, and ask you to share with our listeners a bit about yourself uh, your, you know, your personal passion, and just give us a few insights on your professional journey that it's le- led you to the one place in tap um, group. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Kimberly. So, uh, a little bit about myself. Um, let's see. So, I live in upstate New York, as you mentioned, and I'm um, with my wife, an amazing five year old daughter. Uh, love to travel, love to cook, uh, something that many people may not know about me. I, I owned a restaurant for a number of years. So, uh, one of my personal passions is teaching my daughter how to make pizza. Uh, and we do that every weekend as a family. Um, you know, on the professional side, I think I'll take the easy answer here. But it, it truly and honestly is uh, and has been working with the community, the legal community, in the last 15 years. Um, I'm excited to go to work every day. Uh, every day there's a new challenge to solve for. And, you know, because at INTAP I'm responsible for a good portion of the U.S., I get to meet some really fun and engaging, exciting people. So uh, I'm happy to be part of that organization. Um, as far as my journey goes, uh, I started uh, at LexisNexis. Uh, so basically, I was an intern that turned into a representative who would go out to libraries across the country to make sure, uh, working with the librarians, working, uh, making sure that they had the correct information, correct publications that they needed uh, based on some of these new emerging practice areas that were coming up. Um, fast forward a few years, something that I am excited about. Uh, it was really honored to be part of the process. Uh, a colleague and I, we thought devices like iPhones and iPads would allow attorneys to become more remote. And so we pitched an idea internally to leadership. It got funded and, and ultimately we grew that product uh, from the ground up inside Lexus and it became one of the industry's first ebook and digital library programs. Um, so. Yeah, so after uh, after running that for a number of years, I, I felt like I needed to do something a little bit different. Um, and I really loved the, the legal network of, of people that I, I've kind of 
this uh, become or become part of. And so I decided to make a move to this company that had uh, a serious buzz about it in the market called One Place. And sure enough, there was so much buzz that in May, a company called Intap decided to acquire us. And so uh, since then, I've really been just getting to know everyone. Uh, and it's been a, a really great match for both organizations. Um, we really share the same philosophy, the vision. And, and I got to spend a, a lot of time with uh, the folks out in Palo Alto and the company's cultures are just so similar that it really hasn't felt like a change. It really just kind of felt like we just had a bigger part of the family that we found out about. So it's been fun. So that sounds fantastic. That's so, so unusual that um, when two companies, um, you know, integrate with one another, that they have such similar cultural um, environments. Can you share with us a little bit about, um, you know, what up to this point, you know, what is the, um, the basis of one place and how it joined with NTAP? Um, and what are the services exactly that you provide to the marketplace? Yeah, sure. So great question. So, you know, NTAP and one place, uh, well, I'll start with one place. We, we are, we're a true industry leading CRM product. We really wanted to focus you know, our efforts on the marketing and business development, um, you know, side of things. But we, we learned early on that there were so many other pieces uh, that, that were part of CRM that we needed to integrate with. And I think that's what the vision for Intap truly is. Um, so we are creating the industry cloud for professional services. That's, that's the vision. That's the goal. That's the prod, you know, the, the solution that we're creating. And what that includes is a marketing um, arm, which is uh, CRM. It's also experience. And because of our recent acquisition with Gwabit, uh, we now have a relationship tool as well. And that's, that's the marketing side. That's the practice group that I work in. We also have a practice group for risk. Um, and that's more of our traditional in-tap products, right? So it's complex, it's walls, um, it's intake in terms. Those are the things that the business needs uh, to, you know, to put up to make sure that there's no conflicts. And then finally, we have our finance arm, which is specific around time. It's also going to incorporate some of those terms in, in, uh, in pricing as well. So those are the, the three pillars, I would say, of Intap One Place. And we're really there to try to build a product or a solution set that's going to be able to be a desktop platform uh, and an end-to-end solution for not only attorneys, but also the marketing staff, IT, and our leaders and partners uh, that are in the firm as well. Phenomenal. Um, you know, I just, um, I, you may or may not know, I was in-house um, in, I started my legal marketing career at Saul Ewing here in the Philadelphia market and then uh, went on to two successive firms um, as in-house and ultimately served as um, chief marketing officer. So I had about 20 years of in-house legal marketing under my belt before I started KLA Marketing. And one of the things that was so frustrating for me um, to take to the leadership, you know, none of the firms that I worked with had a mainstream CRM product um, to do all the things that, you know, that we needed to do to capture these relationships you know, for cross-selling, for all types of marketing and business development tactics, um, for the greatest reason is that the law firm leadership that ultimately had to approve that purchase or subscription 
I just feel like they really didn't understand the value, you know, to the bottom line. I mean, it does go to the bottom line. And, you know, I, I know that through LMA, Legal Marketing Association, there's, you know, SIG groups. We have a SIG group here in the Northeast for CRMs. And what would be your viewpoint, Christopher, um, of how, how, if at all, you've seen firms kind of come of age, um, understanding the great need um, to capture contact client referral source data um, for, you know, to move their business goals forward? Yeah, I mean, so I, I really think it's one of the it's one of the things that actually led me to to one place uh, now part of Intap. Um, you know, I tapped into a number of of people in my network and asked, you know, what are the initiatives that you're working on? Um, you know, for this year, next year, what's your long term strategy? Just so I could better understand who who to go out and look uh, at the market for for my own employment. And a majority said, honestly, without prompting them, that you know, after their FMS, their financial management system was uh, rollout was either finalized or upgraded. Um, you know, once that was done, they really needed to upgrade or re, you know, discover their CRM solution, right, and their experience yeah. software. For so long, and I, we've heard this a hundred times, it's been firm CRMs are just a glorified Rolodex. Uh, yeah. They've been used. <laughs> They've been used to send out holiday cards, but business development teams and marketing teams, they know the mountain of data that they're sitting on and how valuable it can be. Um, so, you know, to be able to create a product that leverages information, um, you know, that you've never really been able to gain insight from. So uh -huh. thinking about things like uh, opportunity, uh, you know, white space opportunity. So you're working with a client, but what other, what other, um, what are there possible opportunities could you be, you know, pitching for and, and, and putting, um, you know, putting things together for? What about the conflicts that you have as part of your firm? Where should we not be, you know, focused on, you know, spending money and, and, and trying to allocate marketing dollars towards going after somebody that may already conflict out? So all of these things, because systems were so siloed in the past, it's been really difficult to leverage that information and create or make a decision based off of that. And, and so that's really where I think Intap and One Place is coming in is we're, we're now trying to put all the pieces in one platform right. so that way the data points that you have can start connecting the dots and really give you the insight that you need to, to ultimately make those decisions. And that, interestingly enough, from from my understanding and just from your explanation would be absolutely game-changing revolutionary for our legal services space it, yeah you hit it the nail on the head every time we talk to leadership at firms every time we bring partners uh involved in our conversation bring them into our conversations you can really see the level of excitement throughout the meetings, right? Because this has just never been done before. All of the data has lived in very siloed, um, you know, data warehouses where you're not able to talk to each other or if you, you know, if the APIs that are there are able to talk to each other, you have to massage the data and really fit it into ways that it really wasn't constructed for. And, and I think that because we're coming into this new age of, of, of very quickly fast changing technology, and because now we're on the cloud and we can change and adopt as quickly as we need to, uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting time for legal, especially around the technology piece.
Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I have the battle scars, um, that, um, to show for all of the pitches and meetings and discussions and proposals that I and my team, um, whether it was in-house or now with KLA marketing, you know, have presented to firms of how to integrate all of their, um, you know, their so such valuable data um, to be able to leverage it for business development. And over and over and uh, over scores and scores of times, you know, the, the exasperation on the um, administrative teams um, that, you know, they are, they're inputting, you know, client data um, multiple times because there's no one program or, you know, how are we feeding this into the email marketing program or the CRM program and, you know, the billing software. I mean, and, and it's been horrible because, you know, we've not had a solution um, which even, you know, increases the already resistant attitude of the firm leadership for not wanting to invest in, you know, more marketing technology or more software that really is not going to make it any easier to extract out the, the data um, that we need in order to, you know, have a handle on, you know, their marketplace, who their clients are, who's, you know, who knows the same people who are working and pitching the same, um, you know, to the same companies, etc. So um, I cannot wait to see what lies ahead for this new integration with the two firms of NTAP and OnePlay. Yeah, and I'll just I'll, I'll just add to that. I'm sure you felt the pain. Um, you know, there's a lot of data that's out there, but the the most important information um, can be contact information, and it's really difficult to ask an attorney to spend the time to go back through their contact information in a CRM system and make sure everything is updated. So one of our core um, kind of philosophies around our entire platform is really getting to a zero capture or zero entry capture. And what that does or what that really stands for is when the attorney gets an email, the contact information is pulled down, it's, it's uh, enhanced, it's updated, it's pulled directly into the system. So no individual has to sit there and go through and manually enter it into that system. And then it also flows into all of the other systems. So to your point exactly, you're not doing it five times. Uh, and, and you know, a data steward's not cleaning it up five times. So it, it really does um, you know, make the entire process much more efficient. Wow. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for, there's so many of our clients that we've just been, you know, we make the case over and over again of, you know, we have firms that we work with that have been in practice for like a hundred years and they still do not have a robust contact database. They just never captured the information. And it's just, I mean, at that point, it's like, where do you start? You know, you, you start with the most recent, but it's like, and who's going to do this? And, you know, so it's just an automatic non-starter, which is just, you know, it, it really ties our hands to be able to um, exploit, if you will, and leverage the relationships that they already have, because we can't get to them in a meaningful way as far as through the data points. Yeah. So anyway, well, good things lie ahead. I can't wait to, uh, to follow the progress of the integration for you guys. So let me tell, tell me a little bit more, Christopher, about, you know, some of the metric points that drive, you know, that you're looking to, the, the products are looking to 
uh, drive revenue or strengthen client relationships? You know, what, do, what lies ahead for NTAP and, you know, in, in your role as practice director? Yeah, um, you know, I would say more of this, some more of the sophisticated firms are, are tracking marketing ROI, you know, whether that be by campaign or client, really to kind of ensure that initiatives are driving or delivering desired outcomes, right? So, you know, a lot track win loss ratios uh, to determine how much new business is acquired through traditional, you know, business development processes like RFPs and pitches. But increasingly, larger firms are conducting white space analysis, and I talked a little bit about this earlier, um, because they need to identify those opportunities to win. Um, you know, new business, they also need to win and, and grow relationships that they already have with existing clients. So, you know, of, of course, there's always room for client listening, feedback programs. That's something that I've heard most often, probably in the last six months, is thinking about key client programs and how do we measure client success uh, and mitigate some of that loss. Um, but all of this from kind of an external you know, perspective, firms still need to measure themselves against their peers. Uh, that's just a you know, normal course of business. They're always going to do that. They're going to look at competitors looking at it like a leaderboard, um, you know, thinking about directories and industry awards and the like. But it really does come down to how do we start to develop a strategy around what metrics, what things we need to start tracking within products, within technology to start driving some of that revenue and, and, and strengthen some of those client relationships that we have. Right, exactly. You know, <clears throat> it's just been, um, I mean, in, in other industry sectors, it would be unfathomable not to track all what we would consider business, you know, um, business KPI, um, to, for client, client reach, client uh, expansion, etc. But um, time after time, when I was in house and I would go to the accounting accounting offices or the CFO, or whatever, and ask for you know certain reports to run, you know, so I could get a handle on the business and uh, at the at the at the client level and at the matter level. More times than not, Chris, it would be so crazy that I would hear from the CFO. Well, we don't measure it that way. We don't really capture it that way. And I would just want to, like, I felt like my hair was going to catch on fire <laughs> because I'm like, I, I can't believe, how can you run a business and not know these things? Yeah, you know, law firms have been law firms for a hundred, you know, hundreds of years, right? It's, it's, they've never been run truly like a, a corporation. Right. You know, you have a normal corporation with a hierarchy, you have a CEO, then you have kind of, you know, the next level down and then so on and so forth. But when you're talking about a partner led, you know, organization where you have 60%, if not more of people making decisions on a day to day basis, that is a very difficult, you know, organization to handle and manage uh, yeah. and to try to get those decisions made. And so often, you know, more often or not, you just get the, Hey, this is the way that we've always done it. Ugh. We're still making a lot of money. Uh, we're still doing good by our clients. And so we're just going to continue as is. But I think, I think now you're really starting, especially in the last couple of years, you're really starting to see that you need to differentiate yourself as a, as a, as a firm. You really need to uh, evolve and adapt to the changing technologies because if you're, if you're still doing things the same ways that you did them 10, you know, 10 even five years ago, 
you're really starting to fall behind, uh, especially from a technology standpoint. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, so what do you see firms or CMOs struggle with um, still with uh, in connection with marketing technology, maybe not the top tier AMLAW 100 or 200 firms. And, and I'm assuming that you guys work with the mid-sized firms and not just the super guys, super big guys, or I could be wrong. No, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're a product that is designed for firms that want to leverage every piece of data that they have. And so, um, you know, depending on what type of firm you are, if you're a forward thinking firm that wants to engage and, and, and kind of uh, deliver insights that you've never really thought you could possibly get before. Yes, we absolutely work with you. And I'd, I'd encourage you to reach out to, you know, to the team and, and, and talk a little bit more with us. Um, you know, but back to your question around, you know, what I see from a CMO perspective and what some of their struggles are, you know, I honestly think it's a lot of the, the struggle is to get internal support they need for the investment of technology. Uh -huh. um, it, it, it may be because what we were just talking about, you know, before where we're just going to kind of do it the same way as we've done it, or maybe they've invested in a piece of technology that just hasn't paid off or met expectations. You know, and that's certainly the case for some categories, especially CRM, right? I mean, we, that has always been a very, um, uh, CRM has always been a negative, uh, you know, perceived negatively within the market. Uh, and, and some vendors that are out there just simply haven't delivered on the promise that they set out for. You know, I, I, would, I would say another challenge, um, you know, for leadership uh, of firms is really just not understanding how the value is you know, derived from the technology, from marketing technology. Uh -huh. You know, the other side of the coin, I guess, is it's the absence of technology is, you know, it's typically not their pain point for, you know, for things to start out with. So it really, it helps CMOs. Uh, it, it, we need to help C CMOs build and articulate a strong business case for really why it's, it's needed, right? Right. So they may not necessarily know why something, why a piece of technology is needed. And that's really our job as, you know, practice group directors, which, which I am, that's really our job to help, help firms with setting their strategy. Um, we also really want to get CMOs voice at the table more often than, than not. We hear it's, it's often challenging uh, to get CMOs at the leadership table and to have, you know, some of this decision-making, um, you know, decision-making power uh, without some sort of higher executive sponsorship. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you but, know, go ahead. I was just going to say, but so you, you asked how we kind of alleviate things. I, I mentioned, you know, we do work in partnerships with the CMOs and that's, that's really one of our key focuses. My, my team's focus is to work with them, work with marketing operations or marketing technology specialists to build the case for purchasing this technology. Um, we share best practices. Uh, you know, we work with networks of partners to invest in things like um, data studies and also help with looking at how, you know, their data is being managed within the firm. Uh, we also help with change management. I think that's often the hardest thing is even if you invest in a great piece of technology, getting the individuals that need to work on it day to day uh, it can often be the hardest thing. And so we work with those teams and, and all those things help. But, you know, I think we help most by, you know, ensuring that technology solutions that we provide are really a fit for purpose and that they can actually deliver. They can drive value. You can understand or see a ROI. 
Yeah. And, you know, we get the client life cycle, you know, we get from the front office to the back office. So it's really, if you're a user from marketing or IT, finance, risk, um, you know, compliance, or again, the leaders in the firm, we want to make sure that we're solving your specific use case and need, but also just not putting a piece of general technology out there. We want to make sure that we're going to solve your need and five other needs within the firm. And, and that's great because it takes that much convincing, you know, in, in, all, in all of my years of working with lawyers, you know, the, one of the first questions to me uh, when I would propose something new or, you know, not really that innovative, but with one of the first questions with B is, well, who else is doing it? Yep. <laughs> you yep. know, and so hopefully, you know, you have this long roster um, because there's something, you know, inherent in the lawyer brain of this level of competitiveness or, um, you know, their followers, oftentimes not leaders or, you know, trailblazers, whatever. Um, but, you know, so when, if you had a, if you were sitting in front of a CEO or a managing partner and they were questioning, questioning you on the value of, you know, a proposed CRM and why, you know, the firm's doing well, it had the best year ever last year and you know we have as many clients as we can handle why would we want to to uh, subscribe or purchase this product what would your answer be you know i i think it, it kind of it boils down to when we when we did a lot of research with firms across the globe um you know more than half uh told us that they're they're looking to they're, that they're looking to cut, or, or sorry, not firms, but our clients or um, customers of firms, that they're looking to cut or reduce their spend with law firms. Yes. And so they're looking to control costs. They're looking for, you know, alternative fee arrangements and, you know, general counsels. They're, they're curating legal services based on, you know, specific, the, the specific criteria that matters to them. So I think the reason why a CRM uh, and uh, all, among all of our intact products um, it is so important is because firms can start to anticipate and respond to the changing needs of their clients. Um, they can get a little bit more predictable, you know, when we talk about pricing. Okay. So rather than, you know, just taking on a piece of work that may or may not be profitable, well, now we can start to say, you know, maybe we should look at this a little bit differently because the last 10 times that we've taken on work that looks like this, we've lost money. And so that's, you know, that's generating profitability. It's adding and it's growing the business. Uh -huh. And so I think that's really where if you can, you know, kind of develop some of those growth strategies and, and, and some of the expertise that we have that we can share, um, that's where you really start to see the ROI. You start to see the, the value that a CRM brings. And it's not just the CRM, like I said, it's, it's bringing all of the different data points together sure. and being able to look at different insights rather than just, you know, hey, did this person come to our, you know, our holiday event? Um, it really needs to be, you know, start to finish, end to end. Right. Well, that's where the real value comes in. If you can just, you can access all those different data points and you can see, from the inception or the initial retention of a client, you know, what their spin was, how they were cross-sold, you know, as a result of the data that was collected and shared um, inside the, you know, inside the, the product um, and all of its different offerings. And then,
based on that, you know, how it was implemented, how it was rolled out to say firm attorneys with the support of the CMOs and their teams and how you can literally see client relationships span become more efficient and their life cycle extended. I mean, how do you argue with that value if you've got that all those data points there that you can put in black and white? Kimberly, it's 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 pretty hard to uh, to argue against that. So you should come and help us uh, help tell our story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's I mean, to, you know, I um, I've just it's just so sad because you know, in all my years of being in house, these were the points that I would argue. But it was like rolling up, you know, one of those caveman um, rocks or or um, what do you call it, boulders up the hill, because I, I knew it was almost, um, you know, DOA because the lawyers didn't understand and they were already profitable and they, you know, bottom line, so many lawyers don't trust their colleagues and their other lawyers, so they don't want to share the information. And then it's, you know, you got this big hurdle of the, um, the actual in, getting it in place and, and integrating it into your other systems because there was not one, you know, one product. Now that you, there is, um, you know, I'm optimistic that, you know, in the next 15 years or so, <laughs> because legal services are so slow to adapt, um, that we're going to be looking at a, a whole different, you know, set of um, success points. And, and um, you know, because it, you've got to do it because it, the competition for legal services, as you say, you know, has never been, I say this all the time, has never been more competitive than it is right now at the same time that the, the GCs and um, purchasers of legal services are looking more um, carefully at their legal spend and looking to reduce, not increase, you know, so it's like, you know, it doesn't take an Einstein to figure out that you've got to do something that's going to differentiate yourself and propel you in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing you actually, you, you brought up a really good point too, um, that I think most often, uh, is an underlying concern of many firms is thinking about the vast, uh, you know, scope of a project. And, and so, you know, when we've talked throughout, you know, the podcast, we've talked about how many different components, you know, in tap or, or any, uh, you know, service provider out there, it's a big uh, expense from a resource perspective. A lot of firms are trying to do a lot more with a lot less, especially in it. Uh -huh. So, you know, we really, you know, as part of the community, we, we need to start looking at how do we take bits and pieces of these projects and start small. We really focus on something specific and we drive the value out of that one specific thing and then begin to start piecing other things together. Right. Um, and so, for example, uh, again, I, I would say the majority of the customers and the clients that we've talked to over the last six to 12 months almost every meeting, key client programs come up. Start with a key client program. Right. Identify your, you know, your top 10, your top 20 clients. How are you servicing them today? Right. Are your touch points um, you know, consistent? Is the right, are the right people going in to talk to those clients? Are there too many people going in to talk to that client? Mm -hmm. um, is there opportunity there to grow that client, uh, whether it's through um, adding new work or, you know, growing existing business. Those are the things that you can do. That's a tangible thing that you can start with. And then you can go and say, okay, well, what piece of technology is out there that can help me do this? Right. What is the thing that can help me do my job today? And that's, and that, if you focus and do one small thing, like a key client program, 
I know it's a lot of work to do that, but it's one targeted approach. And then you go on to the next thing. You can begin to take this phased approach where you're really servicing your client, you know, from end to end throughout the life cycle. And by the, you know, three, five year strategy or the three to five year initiative that you want to kind of lay out for this project, you're going to have multiple components in there. You're going to have multiple technologies all in one. And I think that's really going to help you do your job on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for that, um, that insight, because folks sometimes, you know, they get overwhelmed. Um, but then I always remind them, you know, how do you eat an 800 pound gorilla one <laughs> at a time? You got to break That's it. right. <laughs> so I appreciate your expertise and uh, your passion for how you're driving change in the legal services space. It really is an exciting time. I, we have inched forward some over the last 20 years. I mean, and I think that, you know, all of us who are in this space see that the marketing technology is driving us faster than ever before. <clears throat> um, so let me ask you a fun question, um, Christopher. If you could give yourself one piece of professional advice, what would that be? I love this question. Oh, wow. That is a, that is a good one. Um, if I could give myself, my younger self, a piece of advice, uh, you know, honestly, it would probably be something I learned a few years ago uh, that helped me, you know, elevate my career to that kind of next level. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say it's probably twofolded. Uh, first, the, the biggest piece is we tend to stick with what we're comfortable with. Uh, we tend to stay in the same space. Uh, we don't want to kind of mix things up. Um, but don't be one dimensional in your career. And and that's probably the advice that I would give my younger self. And the, and the reason is um, I was given something, uh, advice, something similar. Uh, and at the time, it had always been in a sales role as a sales professional. And one of the leaders in the company said, Chris, you have to know both sides of the house. You have to really go and learn the product side of the business. So that way you can go to your clients with expertise on building something that's new and that's innovative, but most importantly, it meets and fits their needs. Sure. And so I went off for about five years and, and uh, became a product owner and walked through the evolution of a startup all the way to a product that's uh, generating a, a good amount of money for the company. And through that, I learned the importance of better understanding not only your product, but your industry, your, your customer okay. and trends in the market. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest piece of advice I would give. Um, but the second, and I, I say this all the time to, to folks that I talk to, embrace technology. And of course, <laughs> coming from me from a technology you know, company, that's, that's pretty easy. But embrace technology. Own it. It's, yeah. it's not going to just be a piece of software that you're going to you know, install and it's going to just run and everything is going to be perfect. You have, to, you have to take ownership of it. You have to hold on to it. You have to leverage the power that it can offer you because technology can really enable us if we allow it and if we dedicate the focus to it. And I think for the folks that do that, you'll really stand out head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I couldn't agree more. And I was just having, I just had a conversation with my husband about this the other day uh, when we were with some older family members, literally talking about texting and using Google Maps. Um, because um, this one relative was trying to give us like street by street directions from memory 
and I opened up my phone and I said, looked at, showed her the Google map app. And I said, see this, this will take me anywhere I want to go all over the world. And, and so I understand, believe me, I, I understand the reticence and the fear oftentimes because of the ignorance um, of embracing technology. And it's so in it. And in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, I guess, I think the iPhone came out in 2009. It's hard to believe only 10 years, but um, I think with the um, introduction of the iPhone, the technology has been on such an, a crazy acceleration path. Um, but the point you make is, is well taken is that, yeah, while some technology and sometimes people can kind of go overboard and what we do, we really need this technology. Can we not just make our own grocery list or go to the grocery store or, or whatever, how you apply that in a business um, consideration. But, um, you know, we've all had to learn things that we didn't know to get us to this point. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So I, I remember long ago, I guess one of my greatest resistance was when I, I loved word perfect. And then the wave came in to change everybody's PC to Word. And I'm like, oh, why do we have to do this? You know, but now, you know, here it is probably a decade and a half later um, that we use Word every single day. And it's just one more thing to learn. And, you know, philosophically, learning keeps our brains, hopefully, dementia free. Um, and so I, I find, and I've worked with so many folks, clients that, you know, just to, to, you know, in some, in summarily dismiss technology, you know, saying, oh, I'm old fashioned. Well, what they're really saying is that I'm not willing to learn and I'm really, you know, placing myself in a vulnerable competitive position because if they're not willing to learn, then there are, you know, scores and scores of pr practitioners behind them that are already on top of it. So they do so at their own peril. Yeah, and I'll, I mean, I'll give another example too, right? BlackBerry and iPhone. Oh, yes. <laughs> How many folks had Blackberries? They were very, you know, tied to their BlackBerry. And unfortunately, the company didn't innovate. It didn't reinvest into new technologies and change and adapt and kind of think long term. It, it just was continuously doing things as, you know, business as usual right. rather than modernizing like an iPhone. And now, as you said, 10 years or whatever, however long it's been out, think of the vast uh, improvement that we've had in our day-to-day -day lives because of an iPhone, because of, you know, that mobile device that has connected us with the rest of the world. Oh, whether we want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is the truth. <laughs> whether we want to or not. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I did have, I think I had two Blackberries in this, in 2004. Um, so that's 15 years ago, but, um, but yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not like been around for a really long time. Um, yep. you know, relatively speaking, I mean, you know, t 10 years in the life of a 25 year old is a lot longer than 10 years in a life of a 50 year old. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good short anyway. Um, so I, I certainly appreciate your time and I want to, um, I've got just a couple, couple short little questions left, but I want um, to give our listeners an opportunity to connect with you, um, you know, and I wanted to know what would be the best way for them to connect with you. Um, should they want to learn more about NTAP or just connect with you um, as a new connection? Um, certainly, we want to encourage, um, you know, building our robust networks because there's nothing like relationship building to 
build a prosperous business. So can you share, if you had number one, number one way for people to reach out, what would that be? Yeah, I think, I think LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, you know, that is our, that's our professional network. It's where we probably spend the most time, uh, you know, from a professional perspective, uh, the platform that we spend the most time in. Um, so I always suggest reaching out to me via LinkedIn. Obviously, you can always email me. Um, and and, I, and we're also working, uh, I'm working with the team at Intap on a couple of alternative uh, channels and platforms that we're going to try to tap into and leverage. But um, but for now, yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the best, and I encourage you to to reach out and connect with me. And so, is it? Tell me exactly um, what people would need to search for in that search bar on LinkedIn to find you. I am Christopher M. Raymond in uh, in the LinkedIn search box. Okay. Very good, thank you. Um, because we never know, you know, Christopher, Chris. You know, if it's not M, it's Christopher. Too many combinations, right? Uh, well, a guy with three first names, is uh, it's difficult to find him half the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, before we, we hop off here, I just want to ask, what is your, your daughter's favorite pizza to make with you? <laughs> she is a pepperoni girl through and through. <laughs> At five <laughs> she, years old, I wouldn't expect anything less. That's right. She does throw some pineapples in there and gets oh. a little creative sometimes, but pineapple up, but pepperoni is by far her her favorite. Oh goodness! I'll ask you again in five years. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it'll probably graduate. be something with like truffle oil or something expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you've just gotten started, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh goodness, they're so cute at that age. Oh, anyway. She um, is the best. Oh, that's wonderful. What is your daughter's name? Molly. Molly. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, well, listen, thank you so much for your time, Chris. And I want to thank our listeners uh, for joining us for another episode of Secret Sauce Marketing Tastings. And as I always say, always, that <clears throat> building a prosperous business is not a one and done um, proposition because we've learned over many, many decades that the secret sauce to marketing success and building a prosperous business is the consistent, persistent, massive amounts of action over a prolonged period of time. And what that truly means is really illustrates the tortoise and the hare, is that once we know who we're reaching out to, who our ideal, you know, the profile of our ideal client is, we have to find where they go, and we have to get and stay in front of them on a regular basis in meaningful ways seven to 10 times. That's where the consistent and the persistent comes in. Massive amounts of actions. It's not just enough to have a website or a CRM or a, you know, or a um, blog. Those are all fine marketing tactics, but it really does in today's competitive market. It really is uh, imperative for folks who are building a business to engage in meaningful organizational involvement in your industry, targeted networking, as well as the digital marketing and the, you know, in, in uh, leveraging the, the tools that Chris talked about in marketing technology, the CRM, um, the client, um, the key client programs, et cetera. It takes all of those tools um, to get and stand out in this competitive marketplace. So we encourage you um, to consider the things that Chris and I talked about today. You've tapped into some wonderful expertise. Um, and until next time, Keep moving forward, everyone.